The views, statements and opinions expressed in this episode are solely our own, including our guest, and these do not necessarily represent those of our employers. And I'm VG. Welcome to our podcast, Diversity and Inclusion, Satisfying the Tick Box. In today's episode, we're going to be covering the power of privilege, allyship and leadership. So just to give a brief overview of these things, privilege describes the benefits that belong to people because they fit into a special social group or have certain dimensions to their identity, which is also linked to allyship. So an ally is often defined as someone who is not a member of a marginalised group, but wants to support and take action to help others in that group. So we have a very special guest joining us today. We've got David Pemberthy, who will be sharing his personal journey and experiences with us regarding privilege, allyship and leadership. So welcome, David. Uh, Could you give us a quick introduction to let the listeners know who you are and a bit about your story? Sure, no problem. Thanks, Vigi. And um, really pleased to be on the on the podcast today and looking forward to, to talking with you and, and Georgie. So yeah, I'm David Pendithy. I'm a, a vice president of a um of a, a tech company. And I've been doing this kind of role for the last uh, last few few years. I'm also a, a mentor, and I think Vigi will touch on that in a moment at uh, City University in London. And I grew up in Exeter in Devon a few years ago now. And Exeter is a uh, it's a place that's not particularly diverse. It's uh, it certainly wasn't when I grew up, and still kind of isn't really to today as as well. Um, but I grew up there, had a reasonably comfortable kind of upbringing. Had um, both my parents, one brother, always employed, um, managed a you know, foreign holiday a year, all of those things. My parents worked hard, and they worked hard to make sure we could have those things that we needed to. And um, and yeah, kind of progressed through my my career to there really. Thank you, David, for giving us a quick introduction to yourself and welcome to our podcast. And yes, you mentioned uh, mentoring. So just for the listeners, David and I go back to 2018 when I was actually doing my master's degree at City University of London. And I was actually paired with David through the fantastic professional mentoring program that the university ran. And uh, what that program is about, it, it pairs students with industry professionals in order to develop their skills, confidence and future employability. Um, and that was quite relevant to me at that time because I was going through that career change from policing to uh, IT. So shout out to City University for that fantastic program that they run. So um, let's break it down then, uh, David, in terms of growing up. How was, for example, school life for you? Yeah, so it, it was it was fine. I uh, I went to kind of a normal comprehensive comprehensive school um, uh, through through that time. Uh, it was good. I was reasonably reasonably successful at some sports teams, so managed to kind of fit in fairly well at school. I was a average student and worked reasonably hard, um, but not massively talented. I would I would say, but always worked hard and had a kind of strong worth ethic ethic um instilled into me from my from my family i think um i i did i left school at, at 16 uh and i went straight away to train as a, as an accountant so i didn't uh, i didn't go to a levels i didn't go to further education and i didn't go through a higher education uh process but um but yeah it was a a good good upbringing um which i enjoyed well just to touch on that 
not going to to university and A levels. Is there was there a reason for that, or were you just it wasn't for you? I think um, it just wasn't something my had ever really happened with my family before. So it wasn't a, a conscious decision. I think if I really pushed for it, my, I'm sure my parents would have worked out a way to support me. But because they hadn't been to university, it wasn't something they'd, they'd done. It wasn't really an obvious uh, thing to do. Um, do I regret that? I, I do. I, I think I, I'm not sure I would be any further in my career than where I am now. I possibly would have got there a little bit quicker. Um, but I do sometimes feel uh, it, it's it's definitely something that hangs over me when I feel not equal maybe to some of my peers or or others where uh, I feel that I really should have had that background. Um, it's probably a probably a crazy thought to have, but it's um, it's definitely something that uh, that I'm challenged with for sure. And I can relate to you in some ways, David. My parents were refugees from Sri Lanka because of the civil war that had happened there. And they didn't have any formal education or even attended university. So for me growing up, it was going into the unknown, if you like. So where do I go, you know, in terms of my higher education or where do I go in my career? And that was quite difficult in trying to find the answers because I remember quite clearly when I was seeking guidance and going to my parents for advice, I'd get very general answers like oh do what you like and for me I think it was very much trial and error for me in terms of education and, and, and career growing up even thinking about it and this is making me laugh right now I remember my sister Shabs who's exactly one year older than me she got four A's for uh, AS levels in chemistry maths biology and French quite difficult subjects and me being me I thought hey if she can get four A's, then I can get four A's. And boy, did that backfire on me. Uh, probably one of the worst decisions that I've made. Um, but then again, if I had that guidance, it could have probably been a different story right now. I don't know. I wanted to ask then, so you've jumped straight into accountancy. And, and how was that for you? Because is were, were, were your parents still guiding you? Were they giving you advice about where you should be taking your career or sure. going? Yeah, so um, so my dad uh, was an accountant. That was his his background. He progressed into other roles and uh, had a pretty successful career um, as, as a director and leading uh, kind of uh, motor dealerships in the southwest. But uh, but fundamentally, his background was an accountant, and I, I kind of went into that thinking it would just be a really good grounding to have. And um, and to be honest, it really has. It's helped me so much throughout all of my career, just that background and having that kind of solid understanding of business, understanding of, really has given me some really strong principles. I didn't really work as an accountant at all after I kind of finished my studying. I went straight into working in into IT, into software, into services, and I've been doing that for the last 20, 20 plus years. But, uh, but that background has been really... Um, really important to me for sure I mean coming um, not not doing going to university you're probably better for all the debt that that comes out <laughs> of it. um but did you so you were speaking about your dad would you say he was your kind of positive role model in your life and did how did that kind of impact you I think um I think my family definitely impacted me um I think when we talk about uh, diversity and inclusion my, and even though I grew up in a, in a part of the country that wasn't particularly diverse my parents were just and are just really good people uh, and, and they've always 
brought myself and my brother up to never think about people differently, no matter what their background is, where they've come from, any disability or education. It's just been a normal thing for us. So for me growing up, I, I, I don't believe I really saw people differently. And I think that was instilled from my parents and also my, my grandparents who came from a different time, but they still always were just good people who didn't really see people differently. And, and I think that really helped me. Um, and their, their hard work, they worked hard to uh, to expose myself and my brother to different things. We had um, a foreign language student staying with us virtually all the time when I was growing up. So we had people from other parts of Europe and, and further afield coming and staying in our house. And that really helped us understand different backgrounds, cultures, people who are coming to a different country. And, um, and I, I think at the time I didn't really think about it. But looking back, I'm sure that that helped us a lot um, turn into you know, the people we are today. Yeah, I totally agree. I think for me, having my auntie Mary, who identifies as a lesbian, I think that definitely helped me to kind of, I guess, not just see... Cause I, I, so I grew up in Wimbledon and I think that was... It was mainly white people there. So I think yeah. my parents were exactly the same. So they were very much just people are people like you don't have to see anyone differently and yeah having my auntie definitely helped Vigi I don't know if about you for me my parents moved us from France to the UK and uh, everything that I saw them facing coming to a new country learning a new language that's quite hard when you leave your your motherland and they were like every other parent trying to provide the best for five children and a lot of people ask me, where does your motivation or drive come through, Vij? And for me, it's very much from seeing my parents work really hard for what they got. Whatever they've got, I'm going to double, triple, even times about four or five. That's where really my motivation lies. And even though I doubt that my parents are going to listen to this podcast, but I've never really said thank you to them for making me who I am today. So, mum and dad, if you're listening to this, thank you. And I think Vigi, this is, that that's great. And I think from someone who's a parent now myself, um, you don't have to say thank you. I think for them just seeing uh, who you've turned into, what you're achieving, and the difference you're making, um, I'm sure for you and your kind of siblings as well, um, it makes them proud enough. So, yeah, I'm sure they see that. Oh, thank you, David. That's uh, really nice of you. And uh, I am still on that learning journey, but. I must say I've benefited massively from having a mentor like you to guide me, to really show me the way or the, the path that I could possibly take. And um, I came across a good quote that always stuck with me. It's um, stay hungry, stay humble. And it's very much about that underdog mentality. And I will take that as a, as a navigate through, through my life, and my career. I wanted to kind of move on into... Have you ever suffered imposter syndrome, David? Because I do. There's a couple of moments in my life where I've had really bad imposter syndrome. Have you ever had, like, suffered that in any moments in your career or your personal life? I, I think a little bit around um, my educational background, as we spoke about earlier. Uh, I, I think certainly that that I do still feel that now, much less than I did a few years ago. Um, but that's probably the biggest example I can remember. A few years ago, I was at a, you know, a company kickoff uh, meeting in the US and we did, it was a leadership meeting and everybody was stood around and it was step forward if you if you have these things. So, you know, if you have a sibling, if you have a brother, if you haven't been to, if you've been to university. 
And I can remember there was about 70 of us in this group of uh, various leaders. And I think there was only me and one other person who didn't step forward who hadn't been to university. And, and you know, you could think about that in two ways, either uh, find it very difficult and a little bit embarrassing, or actually something you could be quite proud of that uh, you were in that group of all those people without having to have, have done that as well. So, yeah, I think that's the example I would um, I would I would take there for sure. I would, yeah, I would definitely take it as that second kind of perspective. It's, it's very impressive that with, without kind of A-levels and university, you still managed to kind of be in the same room as people that had, had gone to university. So I think that's that's incredible. Um, just a, another kind of question around allyship. What what would you say allyship means to you and how how can we kind of be good allies from a leadership perspective sure and i um georgie i thought about this quite a bit over the last um well last few weeks and and over the last few months really and initially i thought you know it's just really being a good person and i i believe as a leader and a manager i i i don't discriminate i think i do recruit people into my team give all everybody equal opportunities and all of those things and i and i think i thought in the past well, if I give people all those opportunities, then it's just all down to uh, people's own talent and their own ambition and the hard work. But actually, I, I don't think it is. I think there are some some groups and um, and some people who do need a little bit more support through no fault of their own, through um, through perception or or some discrimination and wider. That it, that it is just there. So I think people do need champions and I think they do need some more support. And I think it's important that that's identified and, and understood. Uh, I think one thing that's helped me is my, um, my I have a 12 year old son who was identified as uh, autistic a few years ago. And I think going through that process of understanding him, how he thinks, wondering about what that will mean when he enters the world of work and all those things has really helped me again, understand, um, some of those challenges that that he might have in the future and making sure I kind of uh, make it as support people as much as I can. And also, I think going back to the mentoring that um, uh, that Vicky mentioned earlier, I think I've had eight or nine different mentees now over the last uh, the last five or six years. And I think from in that time, I've only had one person who you would consider coming from from privilege. And, and I think working with those people and understanding the the challenges that people have, whether they've come from a different country, have a different background, whatever that might be, um, has really helped me understand uh, what I need to do as a leader and a mentor and things to, to support people. So I'm not sure if that really answers your question. I think it's about supporting people, understanding people, championing um, diversity and, um, and giving people as much opportunity and understanding where you need need to give certain people or groups of people a little bit of extra help as well. If you've got privilege, you should definitely be using it for good. So just educating yourself on different forms of oppression is really important. Understanding and being aware of, I guess, your privilege in the workplace and then just being able to champion those that may not have that same privilege is so important. And it sounds like what you're doing is incredible, especially with the the mentorship. I don't know, Vigi, could you give a, a bit more around the mentorship aspect? Yes, of course. Um, I'd like to take this moment actually to thank you, David, because 
I know that uh, the mentorship program that we were in was only for about six months at that time at university, but you've always um, kept your doors open for me and always enable me to contact you even I remember when I had that interview for a large tech organization you gave me your time the day before we sat down you put me at ease with you know how the interview process will go and that's something that I'm I'm, I'm most grateful about so thank you David because it's not like I said I don't having that for me was really uh, really supportive but it's all it's also about it put me at ease to go on to that interview and actually smash it so thank you David because I've never actually said like thank you properly to you either (laughs) (laughs) no that's fine but mentorship works both ways and you need to have somebody who's totally engaged and wants to work with you as well so that's what makes it uh, a successful kind of um, mentoring relationship for for sure so but um, selfishly I've I've got a massive amount out of mentoring uh, whether that's been through through my my normal work or outside of work through city university and uh, it's been it, it's been great and I've learned so much from working with all of my mentees um, and I've learned a lot from you Vigie and um, you know I think your background of uh, uh, that you've explained earlier moving in the police deciding that you wanted to work in tech and quite honestly I hope you don't mind me saying this not really knowing what that meant or, or what type of role that you might want to do just an ambition really to work in in tech or, and um and kind of you know going through that journey and thinking about how that could help and understanding helping to you know talk through those challenges and how we work through that was um was uh, you know really satisfying so it's great to see and and I remember those conversations, those early conversations, David, was like, oh, this project management, business analyst, but don't really know what I'm doing here. And I'm picking, trying to pick you up right there because I was, I, was, I was actually in a position where I didn't really know, like you said, I was I, I wanted to be in tech and that's where I was going towards moving, transitioning, but trying to find that role that I was fit into, I was trying to work that. But what, the conversation that we had, of course, it wasn't just that. It was also the soft skills that you were helping me with. So, for example, that CV review, um, just how to prepare for an interview. Those are the things that for someone that's in my position of going through that that change um, with similar circumstances, that's it's huge it's a huge opportunity for me as well just to understand what I'm getting into and to have advice and guidance for someone who's been there done that it's just it's, it's golden nuggets sure no there's thousands of people who who act as mentors all over the all over the country and and over the world and um, you know I'd encourage anyone else listening or, or both of you as well to to consider becoming a mentor you never any time in your career, you can you can definitely uh, help people and use your experience to help people. It's really satisfying, and uh, I'd encourage anybody to do it. Yeah, it sounds it sounds amazing. And w- so, would you say that mentorship is key for kind of improving DNI in organisations? Would you say that it it makes a, a massive difference? Um, I certainly think it helps. Uh, I think it helps both the mentor and the mentee, and I think it helps just understanding people. Uh, really that the more time you spend talking to people you understand to mentor somebody you really need to understand a bit about their background their challenges and I think once you understand people more uh, and you understand their backgrounds it just helps you as a leader as a person um, which has got to help DNI for sure. Yeah I think that's that's one of the main reasons we do this podcast is because I guess speaking to people from these different backgrounds and allowing other people to listen in I think that just increases people's kind of awareness and things like that, which definitely helps in the workplace, I think. 
And I was going to ask David then, uh, as a leader, let's uh, I want to talk more about in the workplace and how, as a leader, you you can use that position of of influence um, for, for greater good. Where do you think the focus for organisations should be in terms of DNI going forward? Yeah, I think um, I think lots of organisations are are not grappling with this, but, but on the journey to to work through DNI to improve it, establish processes, uh, establish groups, um, communities of belonging, um, employee resource groups, all of those types of things, which are called different things in different organisations, and they're all done with positive intent. They're all done with the right the right um, intent to to make things better. Um, but just setting up those groups, just making those things happen doesn't mean it's finished. It, it's almost something that needs to be embedded through uh, your the culture of the organisation, embedded through everything that you do and how you work. And, and where I work currently, this is actually one of our, our four key pillars and objectives for, for the coming year is to make sure that we have DNI at the heart of everything we do. And I'm really proud to work for an an organization that that has that there um so i think there's definitely a lot there i also think different uh parts of the world different sectors uh are quite different as well and and i see that perception i work for a global organization in my previous role i led teams in the in both the uk and and the middle east so very diverse kind of teams as well and i think sometimes for some of us on this call who work in in tech in london it can be a little bit of a bubble, which is not always the same in every other industry, every other sector and every other part of, of the UK and the world. So understanding that, I think, is is important as as well. So, yeah, really important. And having a really diverse team is so important to the business as well. Having different perceptions, having people with different ideas, different backgrounds really helps creativity. It helps the business improve so much and um, and, and is really important. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think getting those different perspectives and different kind of viewpoints on um, things in business is definitely key. Um, just from what you you were saying just then, what are kind of some of the things that you as a leader and an organization are doing currently in relation to dni sure yeah so in my current um my current employer we have uh, several communities of belonging uh, which are, are are groups that we bring together both virtually and um, and face to face who and they are different communities that might cover neurodiversity um might be for asian and Pacific Islanders might be for LGBTQ community. So a variety of different uh, communities of belonging, which brings people together. And uh, some of those people will belong to those groups. Some people will be uh, allies of those groups. And I think it's really important because it helps people understand there's, you know, there is diversity in our organisation. It helps people connect with each other and it helps people outside of those, those groups understand um, uh, understand more about uh, people in those groups and uh, the benefits they can bring and what support uh, we might need to to give as well so I think that's an example where I'm seeing something really working well in my in my current um, current employer I think for me personally um, I think it's just making sure that I'm conscious of what I do and and I think conscious is really important but there's also the unconscious bias which I'm always aware of as well and and I think that's a something that's always kind of hanging over my head. Am I really 
am I really doing what I think I'm doing or do I need to validate that sometimes? And um, I'm lucky. I have a really diverse team uh, in my current team and my leadership team and management team is really diverse as well. And I will I will work with that team and ask them to to keep me honest, make sure I am doing everything I need to uh, validate my thinking um get ideas from them uh and and also call me out if they if they think occasionally i'm not quite living up to the values that i hope to as well and i'm very open and happy to be called out if that ever happens and it does sometimes none of us are perfect for sure i think um that's exactly what you've just said is so key with unconscious bias is just being kind of that self-aware and getting other people other people to to kind of check you sometimes because it's obviously unconscious as it's in the name so you don't sometimes know that you're doing these things or saying these things um so that's really important and I think also with those the things that you're doing in in your organization I think it's so important for people that just not those that just belong to those groups but also people that don't come from those groups and don't and kind of have a bit more privilege maybe to join in in those employee resource groups I think that's that's really key it, it is and there's a, a really good example where um uh, we have a I think the group is called the, the sisterhood group so it's for uh you know uh, female members of our, our team and our sponsor for that group is our um is our CRO who is someone who you'd consider to come from from privilege but he's our sponsor for that group and and leads it well and champions that that group and um he wrote a fantastic blog uh just a few months ago about the challenge of leading that group but coming from privilege and unconscious bias as well and uh and it, it's it's really great to work for a organization that have executives that that think like that and are open to publicly highlight why they think they made a mistake and how they're learning now to lead that group as well i learn a lot from that for sure that is amazing, actually, David. And I was going to ask you, David, so have you created a safe space for individuals as well if something doesn't go right, where they can come and speak and share their experiences? I think um, not deliberately, Lydia. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no deliberate safe space. I just hope that um, through my fairly open leadership style and I know from my my management and my leadership team that, again, they're a very open uh open team uh i would very much hope that everybody feels there's a safe space to work through that and if they're not happy or comfortable speaking with one person i hope they know that they can go and speak to another but um but i, I think just from that question it, it's made me question myself whether that's something that we should have in place and uh, definitely something i'll put uh, a little bit more thought to for sure so we ask all our guests for kind of one key takeaway um, at the end of each episode. So what would your main key takeaway be from from this episode? I, I think I've alluded to this as we've been uh, talking already, but I think always assume positive intent, always assume that the person who's doing something has that positive intent and they're trying to do things for the right reason. There might be some unconscious bias there. They might just not be sure of what they're doing, um, but assume that what they're trying to do is for the right reasons. And if it doesn't come across that way, hopefully there is a safe space and there is enough openness to highlight that with that that person uh, who will then understand it and improve for the future. Um, it, it's important to think as leaders that, 
you you need to make sure that you live all of these values but it's also important for other people to uh to call that out sometimes because as i mentioned we're not perfect uh, nobody's perfect and we might have that positive intent and we need that good collaborative two-way open communication so we can all improve 100 percent. i think it's it's so important um just to also be kind of self-aware and get other people's input so yeah that is a, a great key takeaway <laughs> And adding to your point, David, about having diverse teams, as a minority ethnic individual, there is an element of you need to see it to believe it. And what I mean by that is that I need to be able to see people like me in leadership positions that or higher positions or positions that I aspire to be to give me that belief and confidence that I can make it one day. Thank you so much, uh, David, for coming on our podcast. And I want to personally thank you for being a great mentor and an even better friend. And you always give me your time, like I said, and guiding me the right way. And I've uh, never actually got to thank you properly. So thank you. No, thank you for giving me the opportunity to uh, to talk with you today. And also, thank you for you both for, for running this podcast. It's great. It's, I think, uh, it's giving lots of people an opportunity to get more understanding of... Um, of DNI and what's going on and uh thank you both for highlighting this and, and being so passionate about it and it will make a, a really big difference both now and in the future. So thank you for me. Thank you as well for for joining us today. It's been really, really insightful to kind of hear it from a leadership perspective. Um and thank you to our listeners for joining us this week as well. Please make sure you're following our podcast on Spotify and feel free to give it a rating and review as well. So keep your eyes peeled for our next guest and our episode will be dropping next month. And we'll see you next time on diversity and inclusion. Satisfying the tick box.